You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. So the last few weeks, the last eight weeks, we've been teaching on prayer. This is the final week that we're going to speak about it. Um, as you know, the desire that we have when we teach on any topic is that would, you would internalize it. It would empower you then to experience more of God's kingdom and more of God's presence. Prayer is critical, if not the most critical thing in that process. It's one of the things that we are commanded to do the most. The, I just want to run you through, and we'd love for you to go see what's on the website. We have all of these talks in order. Um, but first week, we talked about abiding in God. As we abide in God, we learn the Father's heart. If we learn the Father's heart, we know how to pray. In the second week, we, we talked about Jesus. Because he's our teacher, we come to him. He has a classroom. Where's his classroom? It's in our secret place. It's in our quiet time. That's where he teaches us. Three, four, and five, we talked about unanswered prayer. You can go look at that. And what's the solution for those things. And then number six was the importance of blessings and the dangers of cursing. We used our friends and our children as an example of how that works out. Last week, David talked about the importance of resting in God. And this week, why don't we pray more? I mean, I'm an amazing teacher. I got gifts and I got skills when it comes to teaching. The Bible's clear on it. So why don't we pray more? Or why don't we pray as much as we need to? Because we all pray to some degree, probably. It might be, you know, when you're in desperate need, getting ready to be in a car accident. Dear Jesus! And that's all you can get out. That's a prayer. God loves that when we call to him in our desperate times. But um, there are are four hurdles that I'm going to talk about today. Four Ds, all right? Doubt, distractions, discipline, and disappointment, okay? Doubt, distractions, discipline, and disappointment. And these are four hurdles that we need to get over if we're going to pray more. Now, I'll tell you this. This sounds like a how-to talk because it is. It sounds like a how-to talk, but I'll tell you this. You can't do this without Jesus. And so the greatest message you need to hear today is to leave thinking, I can't do this without Jesus. So I need to go to Jesus and ask him to fill me with his presence and his desires so that I'll pray, okay? There are not people in the world that don't know Jesus that pray. There just aren't. They might meditate, some Jack Whistle thing, but they're not praying to God, okay? And so the first one is doubt. This is the first reason why we don't pray and probably the greatest hurdle to get over. And the reason, the reason we have doubt when it comes to prayer is, is because we really don't believe that we need to pray or that prayer works. We really don't believe that prayer is important. Or maybe that it's not that important. Or maybe there are other aspects of our faith that we enjoy so much that feed our hearts that we really don't need to pray. You know, in the New Testament, there's a word, uh, a Greek word for believe. And if we don't, if you say that you believe something, it's not just a cognitive response. It's just not a brain response or a knowledge response. And so if you said, I believe in Jesus Christ, it would be demonstrated in a lifestyle worked out. Okay, so it was like an action verb. If you believe in prayer, you're going to pray. You're going to demonstrate what you truly believe in. So if you're not praying, it may be that you really might not believe that prayer works. Or you really might not believe that prayer is important. But if we say that we do believe in it, we will pray. We absolutely will pray. Okay, there's an illustration Okay, imagine that the doctor said to you, imagine the doctor said to you, you have to take, you have a fatal illness. You are going to die tomorrow morning if you do not take this pill between 11 and 1115 
every night. If you don't take this pill between 11, 11 and 11.15, every night you're going to die, okay? And so you better take it, right? Are you going to get like too busy watching TV and like, oh man, I forgot to take my pill. No. The doctor tells you that, like, you're going to take it no matter what, no matter what's happening. You're going to set like 14 alarms, like 10 minutes and counting, five minutes and counting, right? Or like you take it and you're like 23 hours and counting, Till I'm going to t- or 24 hours and counting, I'm going to take it again. You would make sure if you believe, if you truly believe I'm going to die and this pill is the only hope for life, then I'm going to take it. Every day you would take it. Well, the same thing's true about prayer. If you don't pray, you will die spiritually. If you do not seek the Lord's face, seek intimacy with him and pray, you will die. It's guaranteed. You will die a slow, bleeding out spiritual death. That's what will happen if you don't pray. If you want a life filled with the abundance of God, you need to pray. Now, here's the thing. I can't make you do this. I can't make you believe. I can just say, you need, to get your, you need to get your heart and your mind in line with the will of God is. And if you don't, you will die. But that's something on you. That's something that you need to choose to begin to get over. Whatever the reason might be that you're not, you're having a hard time believing that prayer works, that prayer is important, that God's desire for us to pray is, you need to sort that out. Okay, here's a Bible verse that kind of talks about these are the, a few, I mean, there's so many scriptures on this. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves. Be committed to it. Overwhelmed with it. Make sure you do it. Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you and Jesus Christ. What's the will of God? That you would be praying people. That's the will of God. People are asking, I don't know what God's will for my life is. Well, here's one of them. You want to know what God's will for your life is, what your purpose is in life, what God's called you to do? Prayer. You talk to Emily and David, like if if they would not have been in prayer, Ash will never have come across their radar. It was through intimacy, seeking the Lord, sitting with him in prayer, that the Lord spoke to them and changed their life. If you feel like there's a difference, if you want life to the full, I'll just encourage you, sort out what's in your heart, what's in your mind that's preventing you from believing that prayer is important, that prayer is commanded, that prayer will change us. Okay, distractions. This is my biggest section because this is the one we all struggle with the most, I think. It's the one I struggle with the most. Secular studies show that in Western society, um, the Western Society Day spends less and less time in solitude. That there is less time in which we are unplugged when we are not listening to something or talking to somebody. And this is because of social media largely. The internet, the various forms of electronic devices, games or whatever. Xbox, mm-hmm. Most everyone is communicating so frantically and so much and around the clock that it leads to more and more prayerlessness. So if we are spending less time alone, that means we are incapable of spending the necessary time to pray and grow in our relationship with God. In the past, most people couldn't avoid solitude. 
In the past, people would come home. There was no TV. There was no electronics. There were no phones. They would come home, and they would light a candle if there's no electricity, or even if there was electricity. They didn't have any of the other stuff, and they would be forced into solitude, and they would have plenty of time to pray, and that's what they would do when you look at the early church. But today, it's like there's no time. Solitude is, fun, is very hard to come by. Tim Keller says this. He says, I am sure that we are more prayerless than we have been in the past. And that says our spiritual health is in a free fall. Again, no one would say I'm in a spiritual free fall. None of us would say that. What Keller's saying, though, is that you're in a spiritual free fall if you're not praying. And what the enemy wants you to believe is that that's okay. Just pray here, pray there, pray, pray everywhere. Just a little bit. Just as Dr. Seuss said that. <laughs> Just pray, you know, and that's, that's what he wants you to believe. So what are we going to do about it? Here's a practical thing. Ask this. What, what distracts you? Boyfriend, girlfriend? What distracts you? Facebook texting, work, friends, family stuff, stock market, phone Games, eBay, Amazon, Netflix, those are all the things that, I'm not kidding you, those are the things that distract me. Every one of those things, not girlfriend, boyfriend, but everything else. (laughs) Now, everything else distracts me. And so what I do is I have to look at my schedule and go, okay, I'm going to be distracted. I know I'm going to be distracted. I got people pulling on me. I got things to do and places to go and people to see. So I have to schedule in my calendar time with Jesus, block it in there, set an alarm, and nothing breaks it. And even doing that... Even doing that, I still struggle with distractions. And so, but, but that's the first step. And only you know what distracts you. Only you know what distracts you. Okay? But here's another catch, another form of distraction, is if you are, uh, let's say that you get away distractions, and you go lock yourself in a closet somewhere with no phone, no computer, no nothing, and you're like, all right, Jesus, I'm in here. What's happening? Like your mind is firing like a million things off. Oh man, what was going on Facebook? When was, when was, who would like put something on Instagram? What about that feed this? What about, and so your mind is still racing because it's been programmed by the world to be going, going, and going. And so there's a, a form of distraction that occurs even while you're not being distracted. Boom. How about that? So even when you're not being distracted anymore by the things of the world, you can be distracted in your quiet time, in your time with the Lord by the things of the world. And so I'm going to give you one solution for that, okay? It's meditation. So sit in a, in a th- with your legs crossed, do your fingers like this, and be like, oh, no, don't do that. That's Eastern. All right, don't do that. I'll break that off in the name of Jesus. All right. All right. But meditation, right? This is what Martin Luther says about meditation. If you warm your heart through meditation on the scriptures so that your heart starts to really warm up, you go into prayer because you want to pray, because you want to praise him for what you see, and you want to confess your sins. He says that basically what's up here in your mind slows down and it settles as you meditate on scripture. You find scripture and you read it. And then you read it again. And then you read it emphasizing, allowing the spirit to emphasize certain parts of the scripture, right? So we're going to do that right now with Psalm 63.1. All of Psalm 63 is a great one to do this, okay? So, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to show you how you might meditate on this, okay? It says, I'm just going to read it through one time. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. 
My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 63, 1. Okay, so this is how you might begin to meditate it. Oh God, you are my God. You are my God. Thank you that you are my God. I praise you that you are my God. I love you because you are my God. You are my God. You are my God. And you might say that like for 10 minutes. That will settle your thoughts, quiet your mind. You might keep going. My God, I earnestly seek you. My soul, my soul thirsts for you. And then immediately you're like, I don't. The Spirit convicts you maybe in this situation. I don't earnestly seek you. My soul doesn't thirst for you. Father, forgive me. I lay down my life before you. Create in me a heart that desires to seek you. Create in me a heart that thirsts for you, that thirsts for you. God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My soul thirsts for you. And you would just stay on this scripture until your mind quieted, until you settled down. And again, you read the scripture, and this is not, this, this is, there are places in scripture, where this, it's commanded to meditate. One of the, the places, the most common places, is in your bed at night. And it says that, as I lie in my bed at night and contemplate the things and meditate on your law, I find great joy. But start at a small place like that. I'm going to meditate on your word. Get Psalm 63, 1 out. Or all of Psalm 63 is amazing. But begin somewhere and just repeat it, and it will slow down your mind. So the answer is twofold. You must decide prayer is something you must do, and then do what is necessary to turn off the world. And once you do, and you're inside, and you're ready to pray, meditation is something that will keep your mind from wandering. It will bring the word into your heart. Okay, dang it, I got it, there's a great video, right, it's Bob Newhart's in it, it's called Just Stop It, and there's a woman that comes into his office, I was going to show it, I don't have time, there's a woman who comes into his office, right, and she's like, I'm terrified of being buried alive in a box, right, and she said, and he says, well, have you ever been buried alive in a box, and she says, no, and he says, okay, so you've never been buried alive in a box, and you are afraid of being buried alive in a box, and then he says, I have two words, Okay, I have two words. I'm going to tell them to you, and then I want you to leave. And she's like, well, should I get a pen and paper out? And he's like, no, 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 no. Most people can remember these two words. And he, and, and he goes, okay, because you don't want to be buried in a box, because you don't want that to control your life, what you need to do is stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And he says, stop it. And that's all he says. And she goes, just stop it. He goes, stop it. He goes, you want to continue to ruin your life? Stop it. Well, that's what I'm saying to you guys. Do you want to pray? Then stop it with the distractions. Stop it with the Facebook. Stop it with the TV. Stop it, stop it, stop it. But you have to stop it. I can't stop it. But you can stop it. It's a decision you have to make to stop it. So when you call me like, Aunt Lamb, I'm still not praying. You know what I'm going to say to you? I'm not going to say stop praying. I'm going to say, well, stop it. Whatever it is that's preventing you from praying. Just stop it. Goodness, people. Number three, discipline. Discipline. I could say stop it on this one too. But the secret thing, this is Deuteronomy 29. 
29 says, the secret things belong to God. The secret things belong to God. And God doesn't have secret things he doesn't want to share with you. But he says the secret things that he wants to share with you. But things that are revealed are revealed that you might do them. The secret things belong to God, but the things that are revealed are revealed that you might do them. So what is the secret thing? That prayer is powerful, that prayer will bring transformation in your life. And God has told us that. It's been revealed to you so that you would do them. But to do them requires for you to be disciplined. So there's a time in your life where you have to say, I must spend time doing this. And there's no shortcut to it. I must spend time doing this. This must be a priority to me. It's too important. And this only comes as a choice and you making this decision to change the way that you're living. But here's one thing that you could do that I think would help you. Ecclesiastics. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no other to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, this is maybe my favorite verse in the Bible. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can you keep warm alone? You can't. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not easily broken. You know, when I used to exercise, I used to do triathlons, I had to swim at five in the morning. And I would tell you, I would never do that on my own. But I had a friend who would also swim at five in the morning. And there were mornings, it was cold, or I would, ne- I would not have gotten out of bed, I would not have woken up, I would not have swam if it wasn't for this friend, knowing that he was going to tease me, knowing that he was going to like bang on my door until I got up. And so it forced me to change my life and to go swim with him. And afterwards, I loved it. So why do we think it's important for you to be in prayer quads and prayer triplets and meet with people to prayer? Because... A cord of three strands is not easily broken. When you're matched up with someone and you know that they're going to show up to pray with you, the odds are you're going to show up just because you want to feel guilty. You're going to show up because they're sitting there waiting in Starbucks or wherever they are and look like, man, I got, I'm a loser. I got stood up again. Antley's sleeping in his bed. Well, I'll just start by praying for him, right? And so, again, that's why pray, this is why prayer is so important with other people. This is why it's so important to find someone that you'll pray with. Find somebody that you will on a regular basis commit to praying with. Now, I meet with someone every week, and we just hang out, hear what's going on, and we say that we'll pray for each other. And, and last week I said, hey, dude, we need to start praying. And so we're changing up our schedule. We're going to his house. We're praying. But it's something that already existed, and I just added this to it. So what already exists in your life that you can begin to pray together. Friends that pray together stay together. Couples that pray together, stay together. Churches that pray together, stay together and grow. So just do it. That's all I have to say when it comes to discipline. You need to just do it. You need to just make the time and do it. Okay, disappointment. Now, if you clear these three hurdles, and, you're, and, and this is the last one, and it can be a biggie, as you, get, you do these things, you're praying, you're praying with other people, and your prayers aren't being answered. You're frustrated because the things that you're praying for just aren't happening. You pray for your friends, you pray for your family, you pray for good things, you pray for healing, you pray to experience the Father's love, you pray to move in the power of the Spirit or receive all the gifts, you pray for your teachers or, your, or whatever, your city, your nation, for your pastor, or your pastor, you're praying like crazy for your pastor, and you're not seeing any change in him, right? 
You're thinking like, that jack wagon is just being a jack wagon more. Break that off in the name of Jesus too. And you're not seeing the results that you want to see. Now, we spent weeks two, three, four, and five talking about unanswered prayers. And really, there aren't any. It's an opportunity for us to trust God, have more faith, and be more persistent. But, so you can go look at those. But, um, wait one second. So what do you do? So what do you do whenever you are frustrated and you don't see the things happening from prayer? How do we get over this hurdle? Well, we, I'll tell you this. We know this for sure. The prayers that you're not praying will not be answered, right? So the things and the needs of your life will remain the same. But if you're not praying for them, you're not giving God an opportunity to bring them to fruition. So what do we do? Well, you keep praying. That's my answer. As you need to keep praying. You need to press in and keep praying. Because when you do, you will see the Father responding. He promises to. And here's a practical thing. This is the practical thing that I would encourage you to do, is keep a prayer journal. I know, I know that seems like, I know. I know what it sounds like. But keep a prayer journal. And what you do in a prayer journal is you write down what you're praying. You write it down, and you pray for it. And then the next day you pray, you write it down, and you pray for it. Or you go back to it and pray it. Pray for it again, and then again, and again, and again. And this is what will happen. You'll see God starting to answer your prayers. He might not answer all your prayers, but he will answer your prayers that you're writing down. And what will it do? It'll encourage you. It will inspire you. It will give you hope so that you keep praying. So that you, because what, what do we do? What does the enemy tell us? We start praying and all we remember are the unanswered, are the ones that we're frustrated with. But God's promise as our children, he knows what we need and he's gonna give it to us. And so in order for us to see the good things, we need to write it down and go back to him and pray him again and again and again, now I'm going to end with this illustration from George Mueller. I know he's been close to our hearts. I've given a lot of illustrations about him, but this is a good one. He, um, again, in his book, it, it says that he had over 30,000 answered prayers, over 30,000 answered prayers, because he would write them down. He knew what they were. Over 30,000 answered prayers in 50 years of ministry in this orphanage that he would do. Okay, so one time he, he started traveling around and praying, right? or preaching, and he was going to preach in the United States, okay? It wasn't the United States at the time, I don't think. But anyway, I'm not, I shouldn't have said that, because people are like, Antley doesn't know the history of our country. I don't. I'm horrible. World War I, World War II, don't know which one is which. Okay, so anyway, that was a distraction. Distraction. I need to get over that. Hurdle. Okay, I'm over it. Stop it! And so George Mueller was on this boat, okay? He's traveling across the Atlantic, and a heavy fog sets in. And he's never, he says this, he's never, ever been late for a speaking engagement. So he goes to the captain, heavy fog, and he's like, look, Mr. Captain, I am going to be late for the speaking engagement. I've never been late for a speaking engagement. And the captain's like, look, George, we can't go any faster. It's dangerous. It's a thick fog. And George Mueller says, all right, well, come, let's go to your little office or to the, the what's it called, where the operations room is? The bridge. He goes to the bridge, and he, and he brings the captain there. He gets on his knees, both of them on their knees, and, and George Mueller prays for the fog to be lifted. 
And then the, the captain begins to pray. And, the, and George Mueller stops him. And he, and he says two things to him. He says, don't matter praying. Don't bother praying. A, you don't have the faith. And B, the fog is already lifted. How could someone pray that? Because he had 30,000 answered prayers. And when he went to the Father, he knew that the Father would answer him. And sure enough, he goes outside, and the fog is lifted, and he gets to his location on time. Now, the story goes on to say that that captain brought a number of people to faith and became a believer as a result of that experience. That's what our prayer does. When we pray, when we get over these hurdles, it brings transformation not only to ourselves, but it builds the kingdom of God. It helps people around us experience the power of God, the transformation of God. That's what we want. That's what we all want in our hearts. I know that's what you want. But you need to get over these four hurdles. You need to stop doubting, shut down the distractions, become disciplined. And when disappointment occurs, write down all your prayers and see the Father move in your life. And then pray like crazy and watch the power of God come in you and through you to transform you, your family, and the world around you. Let's stand.